Hello, and thanks for coming along to And We Have an Office Dog, the digital agency podcast where we talk to agency owner directors and learn more about what makes them tick. From the things that make them similar to the things they'd rather have known sooner, where they've had success, and where they've learned some hard lessons. All will be revealed with your host, Chris Simmons, the agency coach, and he'll be talking to a different awesome agency person in each episode, asking them four questions and seeing where the conversation takes us over the next 25 minutes. Okay, so let us begin. Over to you, Chris. Thanks, voiceover guy. And on the podcast today, we've got Sean, the MD of Essential Content. How are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Thanks for coming along. Pleasure. Happy so, so essential content. Is it what it, it does? It do what it says on the tin. What is essential content? Give us a give us a little plug. Uh, it pretty much does do what it says on the tin. We like to think we do the boring but important stuff really, really well. So we are a comms agency that specialise in. Uh, helping businesses in regulated industries communicate better with their customers. Oh, wow. So literally the most boring area. Uh, a lot of people think it's boring. Uh, <laughs> I mean, from an external perspective, I, <laughs> regulated industries, <laughs> they're immediately red flags for fun. Regulated industries are cool. I won't, I won't have it any other way. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so regulated industries did used to be, I guess, by definition quite boring and then i think it's the likes of monzo and people like that that have livened the space the space up a little bit mm-hmm. um the reason we specialize in that area is purely a function of my background uh before i founded the agency um i've i've had a, a weird career uh that led me into doing personal finance public relations um, okay tell us kind of how how you got into building the agency and and you know and how long you've been going and things like that okay so i had no intention of getting into public relations or comms in in any way um and when i was about i want to say about 21 my brother offered me some work proofreading he was a dog trainer and he'd set up a dog website uh years and years ago and while i was proofreading some of the 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 articles that he'd written uh he got some investment and he turned it into a fully fledged um magazine uh which ended up being a really really good um title they had mariah carey on the front cover they interviewed her the famous it was a lifestyle magazine for dog owners and that kind of got me into journalism via the back door so a combination of luck and nepotism got me into journalism and the funny thing about writing about dogs is that they are a gateway into pretty much every sector you can think of so if you think of dogs as a, a consumer product the associated consumer products are things like uh, insurance, nutrition, supplements, um, clothes, hats. You know, mm. dog, dog owners are a uh, almost recession-proof demographic. 
Um, so I, that's that's kind of how I, I, I got into journalism. And then I went into consumer affairs. And then I did, I used to call it doing a Max Clifford, but I, I try not to associate myself with Max Clifford anymore and went from journalism to public relations and was in-house at a few places and, and kept bouncing around uh, in-house roles that were sort mm. of adjacent to personal finance in some way. And then what I realized was that the agencies that these companies I was working for were in work that always got stuck at the compliance stage mm. because of the regulations. So I had a theory that uh, industries that were regulated were, were throwing money away by picking the wrong agency and, and briefing them badly. So I had a bit of friction in my own career and just thought, right, I need, I need to do this. I need to, uh, and by friction, I mean, I got sacked from an agency <laughs> <laughs> right before Christmas. And I just I just had this moment where I thought, right, there's the, the, there will never be a, a better opportunity to try to try myself. Um, so I thought I'll go freelance. I'll just see see if I can survive for a year. Um, and that was the back end of 2014. And I'm I'm now uh, running a proper agency and it's taken me years to, to feel comfortable saying I'm running an agency because it's been I was listening to your chat with Carrie from Rise at Seven yep. and I'm basically the opposite of her. She her her business has scaled and grown rapidly and it, that you know deliberately quickly, whereas I've been deliberately slow yeah. in 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 how, how the business has grown. Um but about two years ago I, I decided it it was kind of it was at a stage where it would stagnate if it didn't start doing doing bigger and better things so i sort of took the brakes off and thought right let's let's do it properly now let's think as if we're a business rather than a little gang of uh consultants mm. together um and that's been really disorientating and weird but also <laughs> really <good. laughs> Yeah, I suppose there's a, you've got, when when things pivot slightly like that, you've got to you've got to move with it. You've got to stick to it, but also you know you've got to appreciate that other people in the business need to kind of get with the the new narrative, I guess. Yeah, there was there was a bit of that, and there was a bit of um, so I'm I'm really financially conservative as far as the business goes, mm-hmm. and don't take any risks and don't agree to do anything unless I've got the money to pay for it there and then. Uh, you know, I've still got that freelancer mindset of um, it doesn't count until the money's in the bank, which has ser- served me pretty well. Um, and I still try to do that. I still try and make sure all the, the, you know, the basics are covered months in advance. But that, that kind of hampers growth a little bit because you, you're reluctant to commit to things. So, yeah, there's there's that side of it. And, then, and there's the um, set sort of you know taking yourself a little bit more seriously and that from experience experience. i can tell you is very hard it is it's disorientating because um i i've always i guess you know most of your guests talk about a little bit of imposter syndrome and i think a little bit of that's good 
that keeps you honest. But something happened to me during lockdown, which was the 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 imposter syndrome I'd been dealing with was was telling me that one day all my clients at the same time would would go, oh, OK, this guy's a fraud. Um, we're going to you know, we're going to cancel everything. Just, you know, had it in my head that one day that that day would come, I'd get a tap on the shoulder. So my, my big fear was that I'd lose all of all of the clients roughly at the same time and the business would fold. And everybody I shared that fear with said, well, you know, you could you could always lose one or two clients. You're never going to lose your whole client base. It's just unrealistic to worry about that. So if you if you were to go back in time to the to the founding of the agency and speak to yeah. speak to the younger version of yourself, what, what one piece of advice would you give yourself? Um, I think I would say take yourself a little bit more seriously sooner. I, uh, for a, for a mm-hmm. long portion of the business's life, um, I've I've been quite happy with just sort of doing doing the basics, and that's fine. But the, the, there was always a lot of unmet potential within within the business from myself and and from the people we hire. And I don't know what was holding us back, whether it was anxiety or, or uh, a little bit of complacency. But I would have said, yeah, start start growing, start thinking about growing and sort of competing with bigger businesses sooner. You don't you don't have to spend four years solidifying solidifying yourself as um, a small agency. Yeah. I think. Uh, there was a whole mindset problem in the early days where I didn't know if if I was a freelancer working with other freelancers, if I was a consultant. Um, mm. And one, once that you know lockdown happened and I had to deal with all the uncertainty and I came through it, I thought, no, I am. I'm a you know I'm running a proper business here. Cash flow has got us through. Um, we've we've kept all our clients. We have scaled back some of the work. We also picked up new clients and we did actually grow a little bit by the sort of end of 2020 and then through 21 we we grew a lot so I think I would have just sort of started putting my foot on the throttle a little bit sooner yeah yeah do you think do you think you didn't listen to that feedback probably not um if, if I'm being honest I think there was I I didn't I'd never really planned to run my own business I'd I'd always planned to the goal was to be a sort of self-sustaining freelancer mm. and then what I was doing was just becoming overworked and then sort of panic um hiring people mm. and the same amount of money that I would have done had I hired them properly and precisely so it just I just thought right there's an opportunity uh, if I want it, I just need to sort of put my big boy pants on and and start, you know, telling myself I'm running a business rather than just trying to pay bills every yeah. month. Yeah. So, is there something that you did at the at the early stage that you feel has kind of really set you set you up now for for future success and growth? I think I I did do a few things that I think yeah have of the 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 pieces are falling into place now so one one thing that was really keen to make sure we always did was um cover that compliance thing so 
because that I think that is the difference between working with businesses that have a regulator and businesses that don't. And mm -hmm. I just knew from being on the other side of that fence that if you can earn the trust of the compliance team and the legal team within a big organization, you're you're already ahead of of much, much bigger competitors. So yeah. that yeah. was something that we just I've, I've always said, right, we really we really need to be hot on things like FCA regulations. And it sounds really dull. But now, um, I mean, this year we hit a milestone in that we got our first um, PLC client and survived the onboarding process, which I just never thought would happen. I, you know, I just didn't think we had the resources to do it. Um, and now we've done that, and, and I heard informally that we'd um, we'd beaten Cap Gemini to a pitch, which I just thought, right, if we're doing that, we you know we're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. The goal is always to you know hopefully the work speaks for itself, and then it's up to the client to think right, can they handle the the quote unquote boring but important stuff that we live and die by, which is um, you know it. it comes down to so many things and if you don't know it you don't know it and I think that's where the anxiety is with our sort of archetypal client is that they're petrified of spending money on something that comes back and then they either use it and the regulator spots it and doesn't like it or somebody in the business spots it and they they've wasted their money so those processes and that, and that attention to detail that you know we insisted on in the early days is now intuitive and natural to us so i think that's what makes us different as a business yeah that i think i think um it's it, it sounds a bit not to joke about it it sounds boring to say be good at the boring stuff but you know if if that's if that's the niche that you're in you've got to be experts in it you've got to be you've got to be able to hold your own in a in a uh, client boardroom um to talk about specifics that they they need to trust that you know what you're talking about and most content is built for for marketing purposes for selling things or for um uh, or for saying things that are a little bit fun or just purely for you know seo um, fodder and um, that stuff you can kind of get away with with oh we've done some keyword research here we've done some um audience analysis there but the second any kind of compliance comes in you've got to be able to stand up against uh, the um the, the 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 best for that i i agree and what's started to surprise me in a, in a good way is that we're actually i think because this is our bread and butter we're sometimes a little bit ahead of the clients as well um, so there's been a few times, you know, when, you know, in your day to day work, something just gives you a little bit of a boost and you think, actually, I'm not a blagger and I do know what I'm doing. No, no idea a... what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So th those moments. So we, we had a situation with a client where, and again, boring, but important, there was um, a tick box because we do a lot of UX for um banks and insurance companies and there was a tick box that wasn't prominent enough and the the declaration was passive and this sounds so dull but from a kind of legal point of view and from a the cust you know treating the customer well which is a sort of founding pillar of fca regulations treating the customer fairly we we flagged it up and said you're asking somebody to declare that they've read and agreed to something that you haven't yet shown them and all of our research says that that will just get 
seized upon. You shouldn't make it through your compliance. And if it does, you're, you're going to have problems. And this was a big organization that you've probably heard of. And, and it, it, we just felt like, OK, we are we're adding expertise here. We're not just yeah. um, overspill. We're actually bringing something that they need, which made me feel really good and hopefully sort of built trust with the client. Yeah, so, so I mean, the trust is trust is essential, especially building an agency internally with, you know, with your team, they need to know how to trust you and but with the client as well, both the client and the team are the bread and butter of the agency, you know, no, no client, no team, no team, no client. And trust, right. go, trust goes across the board there. And expertise comes hand in hand with that. Um, if there's if, if there's one thing that someone who's just starting their agency was was listening to this podcast and hoping to hear as a piece of advice from you, Sean, what would that be? Um, make sure you're profitable early. And again, Carrie said the same thing. And it's it's something that it actually really annoys me um when i see other business owners you know pulling pulling tricks things like oh we'll pay you when the client pays us i you know i hate seeing stuff like that i think the number one purpose of any business is to make money and, and that's sound, at the risk of sounding like gordon gecko it's true you, without yeah, money yeah. you're not going to pay the bills and there's you know, we're we're remote first, but I'm based in Manchester, so I'm sort of in the orbit of the the bigger and medium sized agencies up here. And there was a story a while ago about an agency that was kind of a spin off from a really well known agency, and I think they they lasted about eighteen months, and it was all because of cash flow. Yeah, and the amount of people that just ended up out of pocket because of that, because this agency were throwing expensive parties, they moved into expensive offices that were too big when they didn't need to. And I've always been, you know, let's pay the bills first and then worry about the nice to haves afterwards. And it, you know, the the skill that I never had that I've really, really had to hone and, and figure out for myself is the running a business bit. I think I'm a good publicist and I think I'm a good communications consultant um but what i didn't really have enough experience of is what what do you do with the money and what are the priorities and and how does it all work and i had to figure that out by myself i hired an accountant and and i speak to people but without that thing going on without the money uh in the bank you're you're not a business you're a website or you know an office it, it doesn't you know your your staff and your suppliers aren't going to thank you for having a good culture or having you know a lovely place to work if you're late paying your bills or you, you know you're not paying them at all um and with you know everything else going on all things being equal if the money isn't coming in and, and the figures don't add up from day one it's going to be really hard i know some businesses don't make a profit in the first two years I, I'm not comfortable with that. I think profitability is the most important thing. Yeah. So if you're going to start a new agency, the, the I suppose the, the 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 key piece of advice that you'd say is is to make sure that you know you get the things right that you need to get right. And one of those things is make sure that what you're planning to do and how you're doing it allows you to be profitable in order to get things done and be able to grow later. Yeah, exactly that. And I think a lot of that comes down to your fee structure and having the confidence to charge what you're worth. 
I made this mistake very early on. Um, it's a it's a little bit of chicken and egg, but you you know in your early days when when your days aren't completely full with work, you just want the revenue, so you will lowball yourself on on your fees, and then you you kind of stuck. You stuck with that rate for as long as that client wants to work with you. And what can you do? You can you can gradually charge other clients more and hope to make up that gap. But um, yeah, I just think if, if I could go back and change one thing, I would have had more confidence about what we were worth as a business to our clients yeah. from an earlier point. I, I, I think uh, my only piece of additional advice onto that would be that in every contract that you have with every client, it should have a clause that you reserve the right to increase fees on an annual basis by, say, 10% or something like that. Um, then obviously you can increase the fees if if you if it's you know feasible and fair um but it does it does mean that you do have to have awkward conversations which which yeah. isn't isn't nice to do but you should always be putting prices up at least annually um in line with all the other prices that go up otherwise you become lots less profitable it's true it's very true so thanks very much for coming on the podcast sean um it's been great to have you on been a pleasure thanks for having me no trouble at all and in our next podcast we'll be talking to a different agency leader and learning about the lessons they've had along the way thanks very much for listening ah, ah.